Hello and welcome to this episode of the Tez Podagogy podcast. I'm Helen Amas, Deputy Commissioning Editor of Tez. For this episode, I'm talking to David Whitebread, a former acting director of the Play in Education, Development and Learning Research Centre at the University of Cambridge. David is a developmental cognitive psychologist and early years specialist. I met him at the Faculty of Education in Cambridge to discuss research around play. Hello, David. Thanks for speaking to me today. Hi. Hi. So, um, play is one of the most talked about areas in education. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's one of the, the best understood areas. Do you think right. that there are a lot of misunderstandings about play? Oh, for sure, yes. Um, it's probably one of the most misunderstood um, areas in relation to uh, children's uh, education and development that there is, I would guess. Mm. Um, I think uh, for for a long time it's been very well documented that if you ask any early childhood educator um, or probably most parents how mm. do children learn a lot of them will you know probably every early child educator will tell you oh children young children learn through play mm-hmm. and if you ask them how so how does that happen mm. then they're probably not very able to you know articulate that mm. I think certainly in the UK that's getting better because um, the, you know there is a lot of research going on mm. about it and people are giving talks about it and so on. Mm. But um, I think people recognise that it motivates children mm. and interests them mm-hmm. and makes makes learning uh, fun, mm-hmm. um, which is taken as being a good thing. Mm. Although probably not everybody would. I think a lot of people think that if you're going to learn something, it's got to be mm. hard work yeah. <laughs> and not fun, yeah. which is a shame. Um, but yeah, absolutely. And in fact, there have been studies for a long time um, talking to early childhood educators about um, you know how children learn, and they mm. always say, "Oh well, children, you know, young children learn through play," mm. and um, and you say, "So how do you, you know?" How do you go about teaching this? Oh, well, we, you know, the children learn through play. Mm. And then you go into, and people have done this, you go and sit in, you know, the classroom and watch. Yeah. And um, what predominantly has happened for a long time is that uh, teachers will teach, so they'll have small groups of children or the whole class, and they'll be deliberately teaching the children something. Mm. And then when the children have finished their work mm-hmm. <laughs> or um, you know the teacher's busy with another group or something mm. then the children are allowed to play yeah and it's um, but the teacher does you know the teacher will get as far as setting up play possible play activities mm-hmm. you know so there'll be construction toys out and there'll be a what used to be called the Wendy corner or the Wendy house and yeah. the or these days is often called the home corner or the you know, the dressing up box or, or whatever mm-hmm. um, in the room. But what the children do in those areas is really just they're given this opportunity, but then there's no, there's not the same degree of of um, involvement of, of, of the adults. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, so, so it's, it's, I think generally there is, you know, um, there is quite a lot of misunderstanding. It's quite interesting culturally, actually, mm. because I've been doing some work uh, in recent years, you know, in various parts of the world, and um, there are very different cultural attitudes to play. So mm -hmm. in the UK, generally, yeah. most parents would see play not as being a good thing, yeah. young children's play, and recognising that some learning is taking place, you know, perhaps that they're learning to be friends with other children or, mm -hmm. you know, this this kind of thing, or they're, mm. they're work, developing their hand-eye, hand, you know, their, their um, hand coordination or something through building things and so on. Yeah. Um, but in many other parts of the world, play is either seen as something children do, mm. They seem to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. It keeps them occupied. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which um, you know, if you well, certainly if you've got you know several children, that's a very you know that's very valuable. And um, but there's no recognition of le you know learning is something you do in school, yeah. you know, uh, where you're taught. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> and there are even there are uh, cultures in the world where either play generally or usually particular types of play mm -hmm. are disapproved of. What kinds of types of play? So, for example, in some cultures, um, what we would call pretense mm -hmm. or imaginative yeah. play, yeah. you know, or dressing up, mm. uh, would be disapproved of in certain right. types. There's a lovely study done oh, many years ago now which sort of triggered this interest in this. Mm. Um, in the amongst the Mayan people in Mexico, yeah, and the children's play, there would be some pretense, mm. but the only pretense you would see would be children pretending to be their parents, right. which of course is a very common, you know. So they would, if they, if they, you know, they pretend cooking and they pretend doing, you know kinds of activities they saw their father doing they'd pretend having a market stall mm. you know this kind of thing um but they but if they pretended to be a a superhero mm. or a god mm. or anything like that that would be very taboo that would be very frowned on mm -hmm. because it would be seen either as um uh you know what's the word heretical or you yes. know yeah. uh in relation to the gods and and lying, you know, mm. uh, being untruthful mm. or deceitful in mm. relation to any you know any other mm. kind of fantasy. Mm. So it's interesting. But I assume that that type of that imaginative play of that kind must have benefits for young people if oh. they're engaging in it. Oh yes. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I mean, we're in a very happy time at the moment mm. because um, uh, play research is certainly enjoying a renaissance, mm -hmm. I would say, having had a bit yeah. of a lull for a long time. Yeah. And the most researched type of play is pretense. Mm -hmm. um, and there have been quite major... I mean, to the point where there have been so many studies that are now a number of significant um, reviews of all the, all the research. Mm. And there was a very significant paper that came out probably about seven or eight years ago, which stimulated a lot of debate because it was a systematic review of all the research on on pretend play. Mm -hmm. And 
and of course people it's is one area where people do make quite a lot of claims you know mm -hmm. his claim that it supports children's language development supports their imagination mm -hmm. their creativity mm -hmm. um, their social abilities and so on and so forth and some of the claims that are made seem to hold up reasonably well mm -hmm. in the research yeah um, some the research is a bit um, you know ambivalent about mm -hmm. it seems to you know in some studies show some positive outcomes and other studies don't seem to mm. and there are some claims which aren't supported by the research at all mm -hmm. <laughs> you know so yeah. um yeah but it's a very heavily researched i think the strongest um evidence we have is in two areas and they actually actually are probably i would say with play uh, or develop becoming a playful individual yeah the two other main things that predict children's most powerfully predict children's development in terms of academic abilities but also you know well-being and social skills and all those kind of things yeah the two things are first of all not surprisingly language mm -hmm. and there is good evidence that um, in being involved in imaginative play either with an adult or with other children mm -hmm. uh, is is advantageous in terms of young children's language development mm -hmm. and of course we know that um, having good language you know support that it becomes a tool for learning as mm. well as something you know that's good to develop in itself mm. and the other area which is the area I personally have researched on most yeah. is what's called self-regulation which is children, uh, one of the main achievements in the child's development between the ages of, say, naught and six to eight, mm -hmm. um, is that they become more aware of their own mental processes yeah. and they therefore become able to uh, take control of them and do things deliberately and have intentions and, mm -hmm. uh, and so on. Yeah. And, um, you know, be, being able to plan <laughs> something rather than just respond you know respond to um events you know or, or whatever um and it's quite interesting um got a grandchild myself at the moment who's yeah. just become one yeah and been watching him very carefully you know over the, his first mm. year and you can see how of course a child when they're born is completely dependent on adults mainly and you know to for everything sure. you know yeah. to eat to go to the toilet mm. you know <laughs> etc yeah. um, and gradually this the child starts to be able to do things for themselves and so for example if you take the example of um, emotions a baby the minute something goes wrong or something feels doesn't feel nice you know their entire body goes bright red mm -hmm. and they're bawling <laughs> you know and it's some minor little thing mm. you know and but and when they're happy and pleased the whole body you know they're being happy with their whole body and they're going yay like this you know yeah um and because they 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 can express emotion but they have no understanding of it and they're not in, in any sense regulating it mm. and what you see gradually as a child you know develops through those first sort of six seven eight years of life they become more 
aware of and capable mm-hmm. of regulating their emotions you know yeah. and you know most adults a skilled adult an adult who is going to you know have all the soft skills or the 21st century skills that everybody talks about these days you know being able to work well in a in a team and uh be good at reading situations and and, and being able to communicate effectively yeah. with others all of those things stem from children developing the ability in their early years to regulate their emotions mm-hmm. their cognitive activity you know most of most of the most of the reason why as an adult you've got a better memory than a child yeah. is is not some sort of physiological difference is that as an adult you have developed memory strategies mm-hmm. and to develop a strategy you've got to be aware of how you're doing something in the first place mm-hmm. uh, work out a better way of doing it mm-hmm. and then do that better way mm-hmm. so so the other strong area of research is on how imaginative play in particular but some other sorts as well um, really support uh, children becoming more self-aware mm-hmm. of their own mental processes and they certainly need they certainly get a lot of practice of regulating their emotions yeah. because um, if you and I are going to play a game, mm-hmm. it's only going to work if we're both enjoying it. Yeah. You know, and it's and if if we're playing in a bigger group, mm-hmm. you know, we've got to make sure everybody's in the game. It only really works if all the children are in the game; they're all enjoying it, and mm-hmm. we're all doing the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. and um, and that you know is a is a real challenge for young children. Yeah. You get a lot of arguments and. <laughs> sure. Act, you know, unregulated acts. Yeah. So there's a kind of a social element to it yeah. that I guess is really important yeah, absolutely. as well. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So well, what, what, But um, we're only really mm. starting to understand how all this works. Yeah. And thereby how we can help children to get better at it. Mm-hmm. Really in the last five, six, seven years I would mm-hmm. say, yeah. So um, what have we in that, that sort of five, six, seven years, what have we learned then about um, you know, the, the role that play has to has to play in, uh, in in children's cognitive development and what that might mean for how we teach them so that the sort of methods that we should be using at different ages for example right um, you know what what has this recent research done to inform teaching I suppose is what I'm asking right um, well I think that um, you know the area I've just been talking about mm. is is um, they've now introduced it the government have introduced uh, oh well I think they're in the middle of a consultation at the moment mm. looking at the early learning goals for the foundation stage before children start school yeah. and um, there is now a new section of that on self-regulation mm-hmm. they've mainly focused on emotion regulation mm-hmm. I think that they'll need to develop it further if it's going to be effective mm-hmm. But that's big, that's a bit a big area of, mm. of research, and increasingly, the role of play has been recognised mm-hmm. um, in that. Mm. I think the other two things I would I would say we know more about now, and is better understood, um, is first of all. Um, well, I'll say the two things, and then I'll talk start talking about that. Of course, yeah. So the two things I would say are the role of adults mm-hmm. in children's play and 
um, the the way in which play supports children's engagement and motivation mm -hmm. to undertake tasks. Mm -hmm. um, and so talk, talk, let's talk about the engagement part of it um, first. Yep. Uh, so I think an, an, a naive um, view of play would be that play is something where children aren't concentrating, there's no effort involved, mm -hmm. it's just mucking about and there's no particular uh, benefits. Mm -hmm. but, but in recent you know, in recent research, say over the last 10, 15 years, mm -hmm. it's become increasingly clear that there are, of, of why it's advantageous to engage children in, in playful learning. Mm -hmm. And just to give you one particular study that everybody's been talking about recently, mm -hmm. which is called the uh, Batman study. Oh, yeah. Have you come across this? I've not come across it, no. Right, okay. So, um, in this study, the children are being asked to do what's called a vigilance task. Mm -hmm. So it's where you're having to watch, in this instance, a screen mm -hmm. and really concentrate on watching that screen. Mm. Um, and often the difficulty for young children mm. when they're engaged in any kind of task is that they're e is that they're easily distractible. They're not good at uh, filtering out. You know, ch children will often notice things. I don't think as adults we realise how much how good we've got at filtering things out. Mm. You know, because we're concentrating on something we're reading or something we're you know listening to or whatever, and we don't notice the lorry going past or the fact that somebody's fallen over. You know, whatever. Young children are you know multitaskers they mm. see everything mm. and so the big thing in the terms of their developing regulation is them being able to re regulate their attention yeah and regulating your attention there are studies now showing that if you can regulate your attention as a four-year-old yeah you will there's been a big longitudinal study done in the states showing that children who can regulate their attention as four-year-olds do better academically, they finish up at better universities and get a better class of degree. Mm -hmm. And that predicts that more strongly, way more strongly than, for example, early reading. Right, it's interesting. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. I mean, of course, the two things are often associated. Sure. But, you know, there is clever statistics whereby you can separate out the effect yeah. of these things. So this vigilance task is a study about children being able to regulate their attention. So they're, they're sat watching a screen and they're told they're given something really uninteresting for a child to do. Mm -hmm. Pictures appear on the screen of different objects mm -hmm. and they have to count mm -hmm. the number of times there's a piece of cheese. Right. <laughs> <laughs> random, completely random. Yeah. And they do this by pressing a button mm -hmm. when they see a piece of cheese. Yeah. Meanwhile, in the same room, mm. just to the side, mm. there's another video screen which is showing a cartoon. Mm -hmm. Tom and Jerry or, you know, Walt Disney stuff or whatever. You know, yeah. something anyway that's designed to be really interesting yeah. if you're a young child. They've done this with, in the study, they do it with four-year-olds and six-year-olds. Mm -hmm. And so the child's got to look at the screen and avoid looking at the fun, you know, fun video. Yeah. and and press the number of bits of cheese. Yeah. So they've got two measures. They've got the measure of 
well, we know that 20 bits of cheese were shown. How many did the child spot? Mm -hmm. And the other measure is using an eye tracking device. Mm -hmm. We can tell for how long um, the child is actually looking at the screen. Yeah. And they're asked to do this for 10 minutes, mm -hmm. which is a long time mm -hmm. if you're four. <laughs> it's a long time for anyone and, yes, to just be right. counting cheese. That's right, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and the children were just asked to do this. Mm. But they're asked to do it under three conditions, and they did this in a random order, so there aren't learning effects. Yeah. And the three conditions were doing it as themselves, doing it as their mum or dad would do it, or doing it as Batman would do it. Right. Or Batwoman, if they're a girl. Yeah. Okay. And um, it's astonishing, just the fact that oh, if, when they were being Batman or Batwoman, I think they were given some sort of a a mask or a cape yeah. to wear, you know, mm -hmm. so they get into character. Yeah. And um, it's, there's just a huge difference. Yeah, that's interesting. The children perform better when they're pretending to be their mum and dad, mm -hmm. and when they're pretending to be Batman or Batwoman, mm -hmm. they're off the scale. Yeah. That's brilliant. They <laughs> hardly ever look at the, you know, because they're doing it as Batman would do. You know, yeah. Really, you know, totally really into focused. it. Really no. focused. Mm. So, I mean, and that's, you know, sitting in a laboratory, you know, it's a very unchild-friendly sort mm. of a thing, but even in that context. And there have been lots of studies over the years showing children performing at a higher level mm -hmm. on a task, a learning task, or a t task involving attention, or tasks involving memory. Yeah. Uh, there was a lovely study done a long, long time ago, 1975, if I remember rightly, mm. um, which was actually about memory. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really about play or whatever <clears throat> but they had children were asked to mem memorize lists of food mm -hmm. in two contexts one was just sitting in a laboratory like we're sitting now at a table and being given a list of food items mm -hmm. and told to remember them and then a delay of about 30 seconds and then being asked to say back to the experimenter what the food items were mm -hmm. very simple memory task which children are generally hopeless at the mm. age, but certainly by the age of four because they haven't developed any very good strategies sure, yet. Yeah. And then the other context is we've got a huge great room uh, and in one corner of the room there's a pretend tea party going on and, the and there's teddy bears and dolls and things and the child's playing with them having a tea party and right at the other side of this, you know, big like a hall type of room, mm. there's... Um, probably 30 or 40 yards away there's a pretend shop mm -hmm. and um, the um, child is asked in the context of the tea party what do we need for the tea party and they finish up with the same list of foods that they had in the laboratory right. uh, or the same sort of list and they're given a, a shopping basket and some pretend money and they're sent off to the shop mm. and the test is by the time they get to the shop can they remember, mm -hmm. you know, now they've done this with, um, I think this, that particular study started with children as young as three, mm -hmm. and the three-year-olds get to the shop and want to play shops. <laughs> they've completely forgotten, you know, anything. <laughs> the original point. The original point. <laughs> but by the age of five, mm. the children are starting to show they're developing memory strategies. Right. In this playful, pretend right. context. Yeah. Right, so by the same time that they're not showing any strategies mm. when they're just asked to remember something, mm. 
they start developing memory strategies in a playful context. Mm -hmm. So, so there you've got those. You know, you can see that a the children are being able to control their attention, and mm. they're starting to be more strategic mm -hmm. <clears throat> and to be more, and to develop a more of an awareness mm. of when it worked, when it didn't. Mm. What did I do? What can mm. I try again? You know, and so on and so forth. Mm. I suppose that 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 obviously depends. Um, the age is obviously a really key factor there. So you yeah. want to make sure that you're using that type of strategy at the right point in a child's education to yes. be able to make it beneficial. For sure, for sure, yeah, for sure. yeah. 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 And and something that will be engaging for that age group. Yeah. Having said that, this sort of ages thing, in, particularly in young children, is very difficult because mm. you know the rate of progress the type of progress you know children will get an interest in one thing and not in another you know yeah. it's very difficult to predict but yeah in broad terms yes yeah. certainly. so that's about lots of research being done now about how does play support children to depend to develop these really key mm. uh, um, you know cognitive abilities yeah. that are really going to make a difference to how powerful a learner they are how good they are socially and all the rest of it. And the other the other area where there's been a lot of work done recently is in the role of adults. Mm -hmm. um, and of course this is particularly relevant in a in an educational context. Yeah. <clears throat> so I mentioned earlier before um, you know in a in a very traditional early years classroom you would see a very clear divide between play and work mm -hmm. you know and play is what you do when you've got your work done or something like this yeah um or you know um good teachers would set up appropriate types of play available in the classroom but wouldn't get in fact followers strict followers followers of piaget mm -hmm. uh when i started teaching in the 1970s a lot of people, you know, Piaget was the bee's knees in terms of child development. Yeah. And he famously said every time an adult teaches something to a child, you prevent them from discovering it for themselves. Mm. Um, <laughs> so that led to what was known as discovery learning, yeah. which turns out not to be a great idea, mm -hmm. uh, as it happens. Mm. Um, at, but for a long time, it was generally held that it, when children were playing, and some children, some Sorry, some researchers and educators uh, still hold to this view that it's not really play if there's an adult involved. Right, yeah. But what we're beginning to understand is that it depends how the adult is involved. Mm -hmm. And there's a, quite a skill in this. If, a if, a, if an adult... I mean, what we do know is children love playing with, you know, love playing with mummy and daddy, love playing with their older siblings. Mm. Um, and... And young children in school really love it when an adult gets involved in their play. Mm. And but the the what the adult has to do is become a co-player, mm -hmm. and needs to be skillful enough to take the children's lead with the play, but feed in ideas and vocabulary and so on, mm. but within the context of the play. Yeah. Um, and we're beginning to understand how that. Works. I'll give you an example. I had got a video of a of um, a teaching assistant in a in a uh, nursery class, and the play corner has been set up as a hairdresser's. Right. And she goes along, and she stands, you know, where the sort of 
entrances and she goes ding dong you see and one of the children comes and says hello and the and the teaching assistant says hello i've come for my hair appointment mm -hmm. you see and so she gets sat down and mm -hmm. uh, the child asks her you know how would she like her hair done today and, mm -hmm. <laughs> and she keeps feeding things in you know mm -hmm. like at the end she says um oh well i need to make a new appointment yeah you know i'd like to come you know in a month's time mm -hmm. you know and so the child has to get out they've got like an appointment book mm -hmm. and all the rest of it so she's sort of and you can see how she's developing the children's language mm -hmm. she's getting them involved in mathematical <laughs> calculations you know yeah. and really sort of helps the children to really elaborate mm. uh, the play in ways that they probably wouldn't have done yeah you know but it remains the children's play yeah um, and she's just become a, mm. a co-player and there's mm. some quite rigorous studies have been done now on what on the difference between for example a child being given a new toy and watching what they do with it and then the child watching their uh, mother usually playing with the toy mm -hmm. and then playing with it and it's quite interesting because you might think I think in fact what the experimenters thought was going to happen was that the child would copy what they'd seen the adult doing mm -hmm. but they don't hmm. they do do what they saw their mother doing but yeah. they also do lots of other things mm. that they wouldn't have done mm. I think um, it's almost like the child feels that they've been given permission to explore the thing there isn't one right thing to do with it yeah you know yeah um, and so on so there are various ways we're beginning to understand in which if an adult gets involved in children's play they can really enhance mm -hmm. enhance the quality of the play and enhance yeah. consequently what the children learn given the importance of of play that's sort of coming up from the research why do you think it's such a in many ways a divisive topic why is there so much sort of animosity towards play from certain groups or certain certain teachers and, and things? um I think it's a, well. I think it's fundamentally a cultural thing. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting that um, let's just take a particular example. So um, you've probably been to to parts of the world. I don't know, but but I've certainly been to parts of the world where all the adults dance, all the adults make music and sing, mm. and they do it regularly. It's a community thing, mm -hmm. and so on. Um, you, if you look at English culture, mm. um, th there are certain groups within English culture who, um, well, I mean, traditionally it's kind of old men <laughs> of a certain age who mm. say, "Oh, I don't dance. I can't dance," you know, yeah. and and um, find it difficult to you know as it were make a fool of themselves in public you mm. know uh, and that sort of thing or, or would perceive it as that you mm -hmm. know and um, so I think it's I think I think in the UK I think we have a kind of cultural issue about this mm. that, it, that it, in the in in you know in the everyday world play is seen the opposite of play is seeing as being work you know and it's seen as triv it's trivial or frivolous yeah. as opposed to being serious and purposeful yeah. you know? and I think that's the there's a there's a sort of cultural barrier mm. 
um, there that it's difficult to, um, you know, we don't have a tradition of men being caring to young children mm. either in mm. our particular culture, whereas in other cultures you see the men being much more involved in that. Mm. It's beginning to, we have the modern man, don't we? Don't? Yes, yes, it's <laughs> starting to emerge. It's starting to emerge, <laughs> you know. Um, and, um, you know, with my grandson, for example, I mean, you know, my, my daughter and her partner are absolutely, you know, 50-50 on all the care for, for, um, for uh, my, my grandchild during his, his first year. And they're very playful, you know, happily, I'm, they're very playful with mm. them and all the rest of it. Mm. Um, but I think, it's, I think it is a cultural problem. Mm -hmm. And I think, to some extent, the sort of people who finish up being in positions of power and influence mm -hmm. in our society mm -hmm. are not the ones who are, you know, happiest at, you know, getting down on the floor mm. <laughs> with the Playmobil and having yeah. a lark yeah. with, um, you know, with their three-year-old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Something that we perhaps uh, perhaps will hopefully see changing in the in the future. You, I would hope so. Yeah. I would hope so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, thanks very much for speaking to me, David. It's been That's really okay. useful. Pleasure. Audi de vos rêves se trouve déjà près de chez vous. Choisissez le modèle qui vous fait rêver et profitez-en immédiatement. Audi s'engage aujourd'hui à vos côtés avec Audi pour vous. Un ensemble d'offres et de services pour vous aider à mieux repartir. En ce moment, jusqu'à 6 mois de loyer vous sont offerts sur une sélection de modèles disponibles en stock. Découvrez l'ensemble de nos engagements Audi pour vous sur Audi.fr. Offre jusqu'à 6 mois de loyer suivant le premier versement offert. Offre LLD à particulier jusqu'au 30 juin 2020 sur 37 mois et 25 000 km par an maximum sur une sélection de véhicules en stock et si acceptation par Volkswagen Bank. Détails sur Audi.fr.